many wonder, probe, search to answer a uh, compelling question. You see in the world, no matter how much a person acquires, he's not satisfied. No matter how much he achieves, he's still searching for more, yearning for more, needing more. What is this all about? Some suggest that if a person's source of self-worth is through what he has, what he gains, or through competition with others, will always be in need of a new competition, a new level to achieve, to matching himself against others, always be insecure, maybe I'll lose what I have and then I will fall down into worthlessness. The stipe Lagoyed is safer Chayolam, and we find it in a very similar way. The Sefer Orchas Tzadikim gives a more spiritually based answer. It says that this drive that we find in people never being satisfied, an apparent uh, profound flaw in the makeup of a human being, in sharp contrast to the outstanding functionality of all parts of his construction. And here it is core being, he's seemingly always failing, never succeeding. He said it's because that source of yearning, that drive, is coming from the drive of the spiritual component of the person to achieve spiritual elevation, to achieve its true purpose in its existence. But what happens is that This is not properly recognized. And that inner yearning is trying to be filled with physical, material acquisition or worldly honor, honor of a temporal nature, honor of a false nature. Or even, as Tyber suggests, by connecting oneself to some great movement, to a party, to a group of others and be successful in that fashion. But it's all meant to address the needs of the soul and the success in the world in a material way, in a temporal way, cannot satisfy the soul. The soul does not connect to all of these, Baruch HaSadikim says. And we certainly can understand how that could be, that that could be a major component there's a medrash brought by the Ramchal in the first chapter of Mesilus Hasharim. That's in Medrash Kohelis and also in Vayikra. That gives us a clue to perhaps another even more fantastic element. The medrash says as follows. In explaining the 
Paschi Kohelis, the soul is not fulfilled. This can be compared to a crown princess who married a commoner. You can only imagine. Perhaps her father was deposed from the throne. She had to escape and she had to accept the offer of marriage of a villager, a person who was not of royal stock. But it would seem uh, a very financially successful villager. The Medrash says if he will bring to her everything in the world, she will not be satisfied. It's not sufficient, or in one place he uses the expression, it's not valuable to her, it's meaningless to her, because she's a princess. And similarly, the, the soul of a human being, the spiritual component of a person, if you will bring to it all the delicacies of the world, all the pleasures of the world, it's nothing to the soul because the soul is from the most high source. As our sages say, based on the Pasuk Ibrashis that describes Hashem giving the first man, Adam Arishon, his soul, that it was breathed into him, and a breath comes from within the one who is breathing. It's a soul that is the highest source that is described as the image of Hashem is connected to the Almighty Himself. It's the highest created being in the universe. So the soul is not satisfied with all the materialism of all the gifts of the world because it is this most high source. And the obvious question is, The Medrash means that the soul is not satisfied by material gifts, by material pleasure. Why do we even need a mushal, a parable to explain this? Isn't it obvious? The soul is spiritual. The pleasures of the world, all the delicacies, all the glories, these are material. They don't relate to the soul. And the truth we could ask even more strongly, what does it even mean if you'll bring it, all of it to the soul? How is it being brought to the soul? At least in the case of the, the princess, the, the husband can bring to her all the riches of the world. He can bring to her the finest clothing, jewelry, a beautiful mansion, the most delectable food and drink, finest wine. You can bring her all the pleasures of the world. She's not satisfied, but she can at least receive it. What does it mean bringing to the soul all the delicacies of the world? And perhaps we could suggest by uh, first examining the case of the parable where the villager, the husband, is trying to bring to his wife, the crown princess, all the pleasures of the world, and she is 
not satisfied, she is left still unhappy. What is the problem? What is she lacking? He's giving her, actually, the Midrash says, everything the world has to offer. There's something that he's giving to her and it's not working. What is this all about? I think we could, could suggest that it seems pretty reasonable. That's the intention of the husband, of the villager, with all these gifts. It's not simply to satisfy some kind of a voracious desire for worldly pleasure. Food and drink, a lavish, exorbitant, flashy clothing and jewelry. His attempt with all these gifts is only one thing, to try to communicate to his wife his admiration for her, his respect for her, his love for her, his esteem for her, his recognition of her. But it cannot be successful because he's a commoner. He most likely cannot understand royalty. He cannot possibly understand her true exalted nature. He cannot esteem it. He cannot express in a way that will be meaningful to her his recognition of it. He's not equipped to recognize it. He's of common stock. He, he did not live in the palace. He did not experience he did not see, he did not hear, he does not know what it means to be the daughter of a mighty, wise, courageous, revered king. So everything that he's giving as a symbol of his recognition is doomed to failure. And it's quite likely that even if he would have some understanding, but ultimately he's a commoner. And she is a royalty. A commoner cannot give honor to royalty. So once again, it cannot be successful. And it would seem that this would suggest that's what is taking place to a very large degree in the human experience. Is that in some sense, a person is trying to communicate to himself the recognition of his true greatness. A person is trying to express to himself, I am worthy of all this success. I am worthy of all these riches. I am worthy of ruling over one country and another country and another country, as the Rechazad Nikim describes. Because that is the value, that is the greatness of my true essence. The person wants to come in contact with it, wants to give expression of the need of the nefesh to be recognized for what it truly is, of infinite value, of infinite greatness in its form of being of the Creator. And that's why he's bringing to it, trying to express to it, 
that recognition. And we find some source for this in the actions of our forefather, Abraham. Avram Avinu brought in the guests, most ordinary, simple people, and he honored them with a feast of kings. Beyond, the Gemara says, even what Shlomo Melech in his peak of his rulership was serving the lavish feast because Avram was trying to communicate to these guests his recognition of their greatness. And this is how he had to start with something material, with the feast that's fit for kings and waiting on them, serving them personally so that they could start to get some understanding of who they truly are. But that's only the most meager beginning. It's not adequate to satisfy the nefesh. The nefesh cannot feel its true honor, its true greatness through something material because the the nefesh, the human soul, is spiritual. All these things do not give pleasure to the nefesh and they do not give honor. They cannot serve as the proper expression of the honor of the nefesh. What can serve as an expression of the recognition of the nefesh? Something that is of its nature. Spiritual elevation. Wisdom. Human character development. Kindness, compassion, humility. All the characteristics that are those that we can learn that the nefesh is imbued with as being of the, of the nature of its creator. When those are actualized, then it is given the feeling of what it truly is and who it truly is. Then the person comes into that recognition and then the nefesh can feel its honor. When its true nature is being actualized, when it is being given a pleasure of what itself is made out of. That's pure spirituality, truth, kindness. As we learned previously in the Baral and the Mishnah of Lafum Tsaira Agra. And this can help us perhaps to understand a otherwise seemingly very strange passage in the Talmud in Mesechta Psachim where we find Rav Sh- relates that Rav Sheshes would review his his learning, all his learning every 30 days and then he would say to his own soul, he would say, Rejoice, my soul, rejoice, my soul. For you I have studied the written Torah. For you I have studied the oral Torah. And then more questions. Was it really only for himself? The entire world is maintained in its existence through the study of Torah. So everyone is also benefiting. And the Gemara responds that initially or primarily depending on the version of the text, a person's intention is for his own self to fulfill the directive of studying Torah day and night. 
So what is Rav Sheshes doing? Why is he saying to his soul, Rejoice, my soul, for you I studied. For you I worked so hard. It would seem that he's using this means of communication to bring out that feeling of recognition, that he should experience this fully, that recognition of his true greatness. And he's using this means of, as if conversing with his soul and saying, I know how great you are. That's why I studied so hard to give you all of this wisdom because you are worthy of it. You are worthy of all this wisdom. You are worthy of all this effort on your behalf because you are truly of infinite greatness, infinite value. And if we look at the Medrash, that Medrash of the, refers to the parable of the princess and the commoner, it starts off with the following statement. It says, the soul of a person knows that all the effort that it's putting in is for itself. And therefore it is not satisfied, it is not satiated with any amount of study of Torah and performance of good deeds. What does that mean? It's not satiated. It means that with all that it acquires and all that it values what it acquires, there's still opportunity for more and more because it is of infinite nature. And there's no limit to how much it can achieve, except that there's a time limit that the Almighty puts upon its time in this world. But the, the underlying reason is because the nefesh knows that it is working for itself. The nefesh knows its true greatness. The nefesh knows it is of infinite value. And therefore, whatever it does, it will not be finished. There's still room for more growth and more acquisition and more elevation and more actualization because it will never reach its limitless potential. So the nefesh knows it. And the job of a person is to connect with it in the most full, complete, profound, real fashion. And that will give the nefesh its full satisfaction. And while still yearning for more, wanting more, but not in a manner where it is dissatisfied, where it feels empty. Every stage is experienced as valuable, as gratifying, but still opportunity for greater growth. That will be the true achievement, the true success of human life. Thank you very much.